If you have chronic pain, this is the podcast for you. I can't promise you'll feel better, but you will feel less alone. I'm Crystal Chavez, sending you gentle hugs. I live with fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. We're in this together. So have a seat somewhere comfy and take three deep breaths with me. One. So in the very first episode of Chronic, I promised to share my story. So here we go. The year was 2012. I was in my late 20s. I was on top of the world. I had just married my best friend, Jonathan, at this gorgeous outdoor chapel in Central Texas. We promised to love and comfort each other in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, to cherish each other until death do us part. The first dance is a married couple, Crystal and Jonathan Wilson. Thank you. We had just moved to San Antonio for my new job as Texas Public Radio's new Morning Edition host. TPR is the NPR affiliate in San Antonio. And they even let me host this popular show called Fronteras, or Borders. This is Fronteras, the journalism project bringing you stories about the U.S.-Mexico border region, immigration, and changing demographics along the Southwest. Fronteras is a collaboration of several public radio stations. I'm Crystal Chavez. Over the past several weeks on the show... I loved my job so much. As a morning host, I got to wake people up and join them on their morning commute, all while watching the sunrise from the huge windows in the studio. Then one day, about a month after saying I do, almost out of nowhere, my shoulders and upper arms hurt so bad I couldn't lift them to brush my hair. My hubby iced them and the doc told me the pain likely was the result of repetitive motions at work. Maybe my desk and chair weren't set up to be ergonomically correct. But then my knees started giving out. It hurt to extend my legs all the way, so I kept my knees constantly slightly bent. My legs got so weak I could barely hold myself up. So while limping through a Walgreens or CVS, one of those two, I stopped in the aisle with canes, crutches, and such. You know what aisle I'm talking about. A metallic purple cane called my name, and I used it to help myself through the aisles. And that cane went home with me. But the cane started to not be enough. I was leaning too much to the right. I needed more support. My mom was afraid I would fall. So I started using a walker I believe my grandma gave me. She had no need for it. My mom would roll me around my one-bedroom apartment on an office chair with wheels, mostly to the bathroom. Now listen, I prefer showers and hate baths. I know some people love to take bubble baths and relax. Nami, I hate the way the cold tub feels against my skin and the thought of laying where our dirty feet once were. But I had no choice. I had to sit and take a bath and then yell for my mom to help me out when I was done. My husband also had to carry me to the bathroom. I remember thinking, when I can walk again, I'll never take for granted the ability to walk from the couch to the toilet by myself. 
And I'll never take for granted walking from the front door out to the car without Jonathan's help. I, I remember distinctly, you know, getting out. At that point, remember, we had the Jeep. We owned the Jeep, so it was very difficult for you to get in and out of our Jeep Wrangler at that point. You are leaning on me a lot, but again, I'm still just kind of not believing it. It's just like, no, this is just going to go away, I felt like. I felt like, oh, this is just a thing. But it didn't go away, and it just got progressively worse. I kept going back to my doctor, telling him the pain was getting worse. I felt like he didn't believe me sometimes. On one visit, he made me feel like I was nagging. He said, welcome to the world of chronic pain. I was confused. So like, you're not going to fix me or tell me what caused this? The rest of the people in that lobby are elderly. It wasn't until another visit when he saw his nurses put me in a wheelchair that a light bulb went off. Why is this woman in her late 20s now slumped in a wheelchair? That same day, he admitted me in a flash to the hospital, which was a week of absolute pure horror. Staff wheeled me to the MRI machine. They needed to extend my bent legs to fit in there, but they would not bend. Somehow, they stuffed me into the tube where I learned I was claustrophobic. It was insanely loud, and I felt buried alive. I screamed in panic, let me out! They let me out, and I could breathe again. Jonathan and this annoyed hospital worker told me I had to try again. Why are they talking to me like I'm a child? This was the only way I was going to get answers. I had to stay perfectly still, they told me. If not, this was going to take even longer. How can I stay effing still when I'm trembling in pain? I finally got through it by closing my eyes. I didn't dare open them to the buried alive nightmare. I also remember Jonathan touching my lower legs and that really helped soothe me. In that tube, I wondered if I had a mess. Would I end up living life in one of those electric wheelchairs? Would my husband stay with me? Would I stay with him if the situation were reversed? Would I be able to keep working at my new job? I didn't know Jonathan was also scared. Yeah, I think just sheer terror is probably the best way to describe Now, I never showed you that. I mean, I was always trying to be strong. But, you know, when I'm sitting out in the hallway by myself and my hands are in my, my, you know, my head's in my hands and I'm thinking to myself, this is freaking so scary. And so, but whenever I was with you, of course, I was always like, oh, you're going to get back. Oh, you're, this is just a thing. You're strong. You're young. You're this, you're that. You know, it's like, of course, we'll be out here in no time, you know, because you were looking to me for that support. But by myself, I was, I was really scared. I was in that hospital bed for a week, tired as hell. Anytime I almost fell asleep and away from this hell hole, a nurse was back to draw more blood. How much blood do these vampires need? Both of my arms were grossly bruised from stick after stick. The worst stick was a spinal tap. My tall, sturdy neurologist told me to lay on my side perfectly still. Once again, Crystal stayed perfectly still. He stuck me, and never have I ever felt such a piercing pain run from my lower back down my leg like pointy fire shooting down my body. He put more of that numbing agent. Wish he had started with more to begin with. Test after test came back clear. All good. Then why can't I walk? At the end of the week, the neurologist stood at the foot of my bed and told me he was diagnosing me with a severe case of fibromyalgia. Fibro my what? 
I'd never heard of that before. He said he used to work at a fibromyalgia institute in Alabama. I asked questions that didn't have answers. Doc, will I be able to work? Maybe, maybe not. Will I be able to have kids? Maybe, maybe not. I didn't care what they diagnosed you with as long as it was something that we could we could work on together i mean on with your doctors and us and let's get you let's get you fixed hey whatever you need is it pills is it treatment is it whatever it is let's just get it going so that you could you know just continue on with your life i mean it was crazy it was happened so fast the next specialist i was sent to was a rheumatologist he diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis i never imagined i'd get arthritis so young I wondered if my knuckles were going to bulge in all directions, like this one family friend. Shame on you for thinking that, Crystal. Then came the carousel of drugs. Let's find the right concoction. My doctors put me on medications including generic Plaquenil for the arthritis and Lyrica for the fibro. Generic Plaquenil is hydroxychloroquine, the med COVID-19 has made famous. In rare cases, it can lead to blindness. Meds affect everyone differently. Lyrica made me a zombie. Anyone that knows anyone that, that needs to take any of these type of drugs know that some of them do not um, work with each person's brain chemistry. So in your case, Lyrica was the absolute worst thing possible. Your, your, your mood swings were, were not just dramatic, they were extreme. I mean, it was literally the worst couple of months of that I, I I could think of it was it was just it was almost it was unbearable I mean you, you were it, it it's, its effect on you mentally was 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 horrible <laughs> and then we got on and then we called the doctor and you were like put her on something else and they put me on Cymbalta absolutely I was I remember we were in the jeep we were outside your work and I'm literally telling this doctor, I'm, I'm your own speakerphone. I'm like, I don't care what we put her on. What this needs, this drug needs to stop. We need to change to something else. She is literally losing her mind. That's what I said. I remember being so angry on Lyrica. I was aware I was escalating arguments with my husband, but I didn't care. I would go from being this numb zombie to making violent threats just because Joe didn't agree with me on something. It could be some hypothetical scenario I'd throw at him. I'd look in the mirror and be scared of the dark eyes staring back at me. I've been on Cymbalta ever since Jonathan made that call to my doctor, demanding a new drug now. And just so you know, Cymbalta doesn't make me feel like the walking dead, and I don't spiral out of control in anger. Hydrocodone also helped me manage my pain at work for a few years, but after the opioid crisis hit the news, doctors stopped prescribing it to me. My ambition didn't go anywhere. I was convinced I could do it all. I even got hired for a national producer job. We drove all the way to D.C. in late 2018 for this dream job. 90K, might I add. I had earned it. I climbed that ladder. I was worth it. I was capable. But my body finally hit a wall. The news business is tough. Tough for a Latina and especially not designed for people with chronic illnesses. I had workplace PTSD or something like that. For the first time ever in the workplace, I had that thing I had read about, imposter syndrome. 
debilitating fatigue led to stress. Stress led to more pain. More pain sent me back to the ER. A nurse in this new city told me, honey, whatever is causing this, it's not worth it. And that's when we made the decision to come back home to Texas. Not doing what I love to do, feeling like a failure, sent me into depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. I slept for almost a year straight. I felt like I let my whole family down, my whole raza, by not making it in the industry at the national level. I didn't want to talk to anyone or even let them know I was back in town. I felt like I let my husband down after he had supported my career since I was an intern. He followed me from city to city, drove me to all my interviews, cooked, cleaned, was always my biggest cheerleader. Things are better now. I have a job, not in news, but it's a full-time job with less stress and helps pay the bills, along with his Lyft driving. I, like many of you, have tried it all. Meds, yoga, exercise, CBD creams, gummies, meditation. Some of it helps, but the pain is still always there. Jonathan and I don't have kids. Well, we do have fur babies. We take things day by day been together 14 years now. So far, we've definitely lived up to those vows we took at that hill country chapel in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. It's challenging, but at the same time, it's like I waited my whole life to meet the girl of my dreams. There was never any doubt that you were going to be the girl I wanted to be with for the rest of my life. And it, hey, I had some bad luck. My wife got got very, very sick after three months of marriage, but it is what it is. I mean, I love you now more than I did then, and we'll just work it out. Do you have any regrets? Regrets? Uh, I wish I had taken, if I have any regrets, as I wish that I had been more suspicious of your early symptoms. Maybe I could have saved you some some pain, some hospital time, or something. I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't believe that someone as young and strong and healthy and fit as you could could be struck down like this, and I, and I think I ignored it for too long. Anything else I didn't ask you you want to add? I love you. My story might sound unusual, but it's not uncommon. 20% of U.S. adults live with chronic pain, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's analysis of 2016 data. If you have 500 Facebook friends, 100 of them have chronic pain. Chronic pain in this study is defined as pain on most or every day in the past six months. About 8% of adults, nearly 20 million, live with high-impact chronic pain that frequently limits life or work activities. Dr. Chad Helmick with the Centers for Disease Control says some demographics show a higher prevalence of chronic pain. Yeah, we see a higher prevalence of both chronic pain and high-impact chronic pain among women and older adults, those who were previously employed, those living in poverty, those with Medicaid and public health care coverage, and those living in rural areas. Dr. Helmick says the thinking among experts about how to help people with chronic pain is changing. No matter how one gets it, chronic pain is now seen as a disease unto itself and should be addressed as such. 
He says a so-called national pain strategy calls for a cultural transformation in how people think about chronic pain. In the past, people thought I should have zero pain, and that led to problems. And we don't want to have the problems that are occurring now with the opioid crisis. A better measure or better outcome is to actually have a manageable level of pain so you can do the things you want to do. More on the opioid crisis in a later episode. Helmick recommends physical activity, chronic pain management programs, and being knowledgeable about how pain affects you. He says some doctors use opioids when they feel it's right for some people, but the point is to do it at the lowest effective dose and to do all the other things you're supposed to do, like exercise. Right, and the other thing is there needs to be a lot of better training on how providers deal with pain. A lot of them don't get very much training during their medical school or other schools that they go to. There are different groups trying to fill in that so everybody gets a better sense of how to deal with pain. And uh, if they have particularly difficult cases, where to refer them to pain specialists who might be able to help. We'll hear from someone just like that on the next episode of Chronic. I was fortunate that my graduate program had a had a chronic pain track, which is, you know, unheard of now, which really should be the norm, unfortunately. More from this chronic pain expert next time. Hope you'll join me for that discussion, which I found so fascinating. This song is Blood Pedal by Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. I'm Crystal Chavez, and I want to hear your chronic pain story. How did it all start for you? Where are you now? You can reach me at chronic together at gmail.com.